help. How come nobody's given me testimonials? How come no one's sending their friends over? How come I'm not the famous, most famous credit repair person on the planet? I'm, I'm confused because I know I'm doing a good job. I, I don't really get it. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Crater. Today, we are sitting down with Credit Carl of Credit Blueprint to break down how he was able to grow a massive business in the credit repair agency and also the actionable tips and strategies that you can use in order to improve your credit or recover your credit at a young age. Okay, Carl is going to break down some of the biggest myths in the credit building industry, some of the things that banks do not want you to know um, but that are really going to help you get your credit to that next level. He's also going to share with you some of the lesser known methods that, that you can be using to build your credit because a lot of people know the, the standard methods that you can use to build your credit. But Carl wants to take it a step deeper and he's going to share with you guys some actionable strategies that you can implement that, that aren't as widely talked about that you can use to significantly improve your credit score in the near future. He's also going to break down what a credit repair agency actually does. There are a bit of a misconceptions um, and some stigma when it comes to credit repair agencies. So I wanted to have Carl on the show to uh, set those things straight and share with you guys some amazing information when it comes to building credit, because as a lot of you guys know, I'm super passionate about building credit. I am always getting new cards. I'm getting thousands and thousands of dollars in um, travel rewards with my credit cards, building up my credit score at the same time. So something that I'm super passionate about, really wanted to have Carl on the show. So I'm super glad that it worked out. Um, without further ado, we're going to welcome him on to the show. Uh, so wherever you are at on this wonderful day, whether you are uh, walking the dog, whether you are just enjoying the wonder of this day, I want you guys to sit back, relax, plug in and enjoy this episode episode of Young Smart Money with Credit Carl. Carl, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? I'm fabulous. I am so, so glad to hear that. So stoked to be chatting here with you today. So our listeners got to hear a little bit about you in the intro of this episode, but for those of them that aren't as familiar with you and what you're currently doing right now, could you give us a quick like 60 to 90 second snapshot of where you are at right now? Absolutely. I own a company, Credit Blueprint Credit Repair. Uh, we've been in the business. I opened the doors in 2008 and we help clients either rebuild uh, or build their credit, repair their credit, get their credit scores to the next level. A lot of them are looking to buy houses or, um, you know, businesses, start businesses and stuff like that. But me personally, I've been in the credit world for about 21 years. So at this point in time, I think by the end of 2019, I will have personally reviewed about 70,000 credit reports. So I've seen it all. The good, the bad, the ugly. I've helped clients with uh, 400 scores and we increased the scores to 650 and they were able to buy their first house. I've also helped clients with 650 scores get a 750 score and they were able to get million dollar lines of credit. So there's the quickest version of what I do. That is huge, man. And credit is something that I am super passionate about. Longtime listeners of the show know that I am like really, really gung-ho about credit. I'm always nice. building my credit. Got a new business credit card actually about two days ago now. Um, so I'm always working on uh, building my credit score, building those points. So I'm super stoked to dive into that. But before we do, I want to hear more about your story because you've been in the game for a long time. So I, I always like to bring it back to like middle school, high school years with, with our guests just because I think it can be a lot more relatable to our listeners who are on the younger side of things. So talk to us about that, that middle school, high school period for you. Were you somebody that took school very seriously? Were you into sports? What did that look like for you? Yeah, uh, terrible in high school. So <laughs> played played uh, basketball in high school. Uh, barely got out of high school. Like a couple summer schools. Like if wow. you've ever gone to summer school in high school, it's very embarrassing. Uh, my grades were so bad. But, you know, also I wasn't uh, ever challenged in school hmm. whatsoever. So never felt challenged. Always just got C's. 
and did like no homework at all. Um, and a lot of that came from not having any discipline when I grew up. So, you know, my parents went through a divorce when I was 10, 11 years old. And, um, you know, I talk about this in a lot of my speeches. My mom actually came to me when I was very young and said, um, make a decision. Um, you know, I'm leaving your dad and you and your two younger brothers have a choice. You're either going to move in with me or you're going to live with your dad. So at 10 years old, 11 years old, I had a, a tough decision to make. And um, I ended up choosing my dad. I was a boy and my two younger brothers followed along with me. And uh, that was the choice I made, which led to, you know, in high school and growing up as a teenager, there was no discipline because my dad was emotionally hijacked on a day-to-day -day basis. Like he couldn't handle, uh, if I didn't do homework, he couldn't handle my brothers getting into arguments or fights or who stole whose clothes or who was eating what food here or there. So like he kind of appointed me, like, you know, then mafia terms, they would call you the capo. Like I was like <laughs> in charge of the family and forced to grow up at a very young age to take care of my brothers because my dad was just you know, to go a little deeper was just emotionally beat up from my mom saying that she didn't love him and that she was leaving him. And it put a lot of pressure on me as a young kid, but uh, there was no discipline. So as I went through school, nobody told me to do my homework. Nobody told me what time I had to come home at night. Uh, so a complete lack of discipline growing up led to very bad grades, which eventually led to, to a basketball scholarship, end up getting a basketball scholarship, go one year to college, and I blow my knee out. And then from there, I get into the mortgage business. So it's like 1998, you know, I'm fast forwarding a lot of the, the pain involved with my childhood and stuff like sure. that though. Uh, but in 1998, I jump into the mortgage business and I'm 19 years old. So at 19 years old, they were offering classes back then. They said, you can learn how to sell, which by the way, that's, that's one of the secrets to getting very rich, your ability to sell yourself, your product, your story. And I was able to really uh, learn how to sell at the age of 19. Uh, I had to learn mortgages, which I knew nothing about. Remember, I'm coming out of high school, barely yeah. graduating. Uh, I go to a junior college uh, where I blew my knee out. And everyone at this junior college should have been Division One, But their grades were so bad. They were so, you know, not mm. smart, stupid, right, to, to say the least, um, that they were at this junior college with me. Um, so yeah, I mean, I had to learn mortgages and how to sell. And I did that from 98 to 2008. I made a lot of money. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, ego involved. Like I definitely thought I was better than everyone making a lot of money back then. And I thought corporate America, I thought working for a publicly traded company that was going to hand me leads. Uh, there was a comfort factor there. There was a 401k, you know, there was all of this making a couple hundred thousand a year driving nice cars, uh, you know, publicly traded company. And I thought, that's it. Like, this is my life for the next, you know, 40 years. This is, this yeah. is what's going to get me a lot of money. And, uh, you know, 2008, shit hit the fan. Um, you know, the economy took, took, a, took a shit in 2008. And um, so did my income. My income went way down. I lost, you know, a couple hundred thousand. I dipped under six figures for the first time in a 10-year span, and I didn't know what to do. So the story goes like this. Um, I end up leaving the mortgage business, and uh, my buddy owns a credit repair company. 
So I say this all the time that success leaves clues. Mm -hmm. And uh, later on, we would end up partnering up and I would end up breaking away and doing my own thing, though. But he, at the time, he had success. You know, he had his own credit repair company and he knew how to fix credit and he knew how to build relationships where people would send over their credit challenge customers. So I partnered up with him uh, and, and I started learning what he was doing uh, and how he generated leads and how he helped these people. So, you know, that education right there. Um, actually helped me start my own business. I said, it was my wife who is my ride or die partner. She said, this is back in 2011. So I'm working with him for a couple of years. In 2011, she goes, you can do this on your own. I said, do what on my own? She said, you can start a business on your own. I go, look, if I'm going to label things, I almost flunked out of high school. I got 700 on my SATs. Uh, I'm kind of riding his coattails a little bit uh, because he's the one that knows how to do it. So what gives you the idea that I know how to start a business? She goes, just believe me when I tell you, rip the bandaid off and start your own thing, do your own business. Um, and I did it. You know, I had her in my corner, which is huge. You know, when you have someone that, you know, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, husband, partner, whatever it is, somebody that's pushing you um, that is never, you know, constantly looking at the negative side of things. They're looking at the positive side going, no, you can do this. There'll be a lot of obstacles, but we'll overcome them together. So she was huge. So there you go. I founded my business in 2011 and uh, we've been slinging, helping people improve their credit ever since. Now, I'll go a little deeper with you there too. Mm -hmm. So many struggles along the way, man. Like if you're thinking about starting a business, I actually... I say this all the time that you have to be willing to give up what you have to get what you want. So let's think about this. In 2011, I owned a piece of a business. I was back to making six figures again. And I really thought that was a business that was going to take, we were going to be able to scale that business and make many millions of dollars and sell the thing. So when I left that company, what I had was security in my mind. I had a couple dollars in the bank, not a lot, because I was coming from the 2008 downturn, mm -hmm. okay? Um, but I had security. I also had a house, right, that I owned. It was a $300,000 house, so that was an asset right there. Uh, and then I had a 401k. I had money in my 401k. Well, guess what? I lost all of that to start my business. I emptied out my 401k. I ended up foreclosing on my house, and I lost the security of this business that in my mind we were going to scale and get to the next level. But what it produced besides, you know, my credit was in the dumps. I took my money, my, my assets, my house down to zero. My net worth was zero. Transitioning from the old business to owning my business by myself. But now you fast forward, you know, this many years later and it was the best decision I ever made. But I had to be willing to give up what I had to get to where I'm at now. Mm, that's so huge. And there's a couple of things that you touched on that I want to bounce back to for a second. The first one is discipline. So as a child, you really, you said you had no discipline whatsoever. I mean, you were doing whatever you wanted. You didn't really see many consequences to many of your actions. So like, when did that start to change for you? Was it at that first sales job where you started to develop a sense of like, okay, I need to put in this amount of work to get these kind of results? Or was it later? When did you start to, to really develop that sense of discipline? 
I don't know the answer to that. No, but I would say probably pounding the phones back then Mm -hmm. um, is because that's what it was. It was a numbers game. When you're in the mortgage business, you just hit the phones. Whoever made the most amount of phone calls and outworked people made the most money. And I saw that. I saw guys, you know, back in 01, 02, making $400,000 a year. And the philosophy was simple. How many phone calls can I make more than you? How many more hours can I make? So yeah, that did start to teach me about discipline. But discipline to me came from my morning routine and running. You know, this morning routine that I'm in right now is one of the, the, the secrets to my uh, success that I've had so far and the continued success that I'm looking to have is this morning routine, this discipline of waking up every morning and getting into visualization. We can go deeper if you want, but it's, it's, it starts with visualizing my future and then I'm into a running or a treadmill routine, right? And then from there, I detach myself from any goals that I have in 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. And now I'm right in the moment. Okay. There's gratitude. And then how do I go dominate the day? How do I own this day? Cause it's not about five years, 10 years, a week from now. It's about how do I get the most out of my day? And that discipline, you know, really starts for me with my morning routine every friggin' morning. And if you follow me on, on uh, Instagram, credit, credit.carl, you'll see it on there every single morning. That's the routine. It doesn't change. So what, basically went into that process of you designing this morning routine. Everyone has different morning routines. Yeah. I'm always curious about like what made you decide about the certain aspects that do go into your morning routine. Like what's the, well, Tony Robbins, like I'm one of those guys, Apple, where like, I got to hear something like a podcast or an audio book, like 15 times, sometimes a hundred times before it sinks in. Hmm. You know, I don't know what it is about me. I don't know if I'm interested for five minutes and then the next 20, I'm like zoned out. But Tony Robbins has, um, uh, get the edge. Uh, CDs and that thing used to burn in my car uh, every single day. So, so let me put things into perspective. When I'm working in the mortgage business from '98 to '08, I used to drive from PA to New Jersey. It was an hour and ten minute drive every single day for ten years. Okay, and um, when I did that drive, that was my what I what Tony Robbins used to call like net time, no downtime at all, where I can burn podcasts or I could burn at the time there was people weren't doing podcasts. I was burning his get the edge mm-hmm. and his get the edge. He used to talk about, you need to give yourself an hour of power every single morning. You need to figure out your morning before you're influenced by others, before social media comes in, before the radio comes in, they start talking about the basketball game last night, uh, before someone at your work texts you and says this or that, or someone upsets you, you know, so you got to get yourself right. You, you have to be selfish in the morning to set your day up to win. Now, I'll go a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Tony Robbins is talking about someone on this Get the Edge, and the guy's name is Stu Middleman. And Tony says, I studied this guy, Stu Middleman, and this guy, Stu Middleman, taught Tony Robbins about energy. And he said he went out there and he studied this African tribe that all of a sudden, one day out of 365, everyone in the tribe runs like 75 miles, no training. So he said he studied the psychology behind what was going on, and um, he just keeps talking about this guy, Stu Middleman for a couple of years as I'm burning this CD. So one day I said, I'm going to reach out to this guy. And I reached out to Stu Middleman over social media and he texts me right back. He says, Hey Carl, I'd, I'd love to tell you about my coaching program. And we built a relationship. And four years later, this guy who Stu Middleman, let me set the record. Mm-hmm. He's worked with Tony Robbins on how to how Have you ever seen Tony Robbins talk on stage? Stu's one of the guys that really helped him with how to get that energy burning all day like coals like it's a fuel that you just burn all day long and Stu taught him about that now Stu's also 
ultra marathon hall of fame runner. And, um, you know, he's ran from California to New Jersey. He did uh, two marathons a day for 57 consecutive days. So the dude gets it, man. And he had more energy at the end of it when he came out of it. So it was great that he texted me back. And when he texted me back, I said, I want to work with this guy. I'm thinking it's going to be a ridiculous amount of money. And it wasn't. And we built the relationship and he's the one that taught me about, you know, the routine uh, in the morning and then how I turned running into this like spiritual journey of awareness and how much freedom I have when I'm out there running in the morning. And that starts every single day for me, which is beautiful. That's amazing. And I can, I can completely relate with that. I mean, I really do use running as a tool to sort of like disconnect and like bring myself back to where I'm currently at. And I can, I can totally see how that would be a really, really beneficial tool to, to accomplish exactly what you're using it to accomplish. Yep. A hundred percent. Gives me a freedom. We had this conversation last night. I do a show called other people's money uh, on Sunday night on live Facebook. And before it, uh, my video guy uh, my, does my production. We were just talking and I said, you know, there's, there's so much freedom involved when I'm out running. And when I do it, this is what happens for me. Mm -hmm. The morning routine starts with me winning an internal argument with myself because I don't want to get up and run because I don't want to visualize my future. What I'd like to do is sit on the beach in, uh, in Bali right now and drink cocktails. But, but listen, the point is, is it's, I have to win the internal argument with myself to say, get your ass out of bed and get moving. Once I win that argument from there, I get in there, I start moving. 10 minutes goes by, 12 minutes goes by. Then, I, then my blood's flowing, right? Then I start to feel it. Then I start to be, I'm in touch with my senses. I'm running now. Now I can smell things. I can hear things. I can see things. And all of a sudden I'm into it. And now it's a go zone. Now you can't stop me. Once I get moving, man, it's just an amazing journey that I'm on running. Um, and uh, it's, I, I owe Stu Middleman so much for, for teaching me, uh, you know, how great that is how important it is to my success right now. Absolutely. It sounds like Stu was really um, somebody who, who really gave a lot to you and was really kind of like a mentor figure to you, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, do you have any other mentors? It sounds like the, um, the guy that you partnered up with on that first credit repair agency mm -hmm. might have been a mentor to you, but like who have been the, the key cornerstone mentors of your journey from, from where you started off at 19 years old to where you are now? I mean, I kind of hone in on uh, one person. Tony Robbins was it, but I'll go back before Tony Robbins. My, my aunt and uncle, I moved into their house when I was 18 or 19 years old, and they had built a very nice real estate empire. They had owned a lot of units. They were worth many millions of dollars and still are to this day. So I got accustomed to a certain lifestyle for about a one-year span there. The, the nice back of the day used to have like black Movado watch. I used to steal my uncle's watch and the nice suits and they were traveling down the, you know, Florida every weekend. So I learned the good life from them and I watched what they were doing, building this real estate empire. So they were my first financial role model. I took it from them. And then from there, it really was just Tony Robbins talking in my ear. I, I try to hone in on one person. You know, so many times people have 50 different people that they're taking information from and it's just, it's too much. And for me, he just made sense, man. It just worked. Hmm. I love it. I love it. So Carl, talk to us a little bit more about sales because a lot of young people come to me, um, tell me that they're in some kind of sales position. They're like just out of high school and yep. they are, they're trying to get some money. They're trying to build up some funds. So talk to us about that experience um, and, and maybe share some, some of your lessons that you picked up through this sales job at a young age that would be applicable to somebody else who's, who's 18, 19, 20 years old, mm -hmm. who's just getting started in sales. 
Well, when you find the right, you know, product that you can push, um, you know, it's not a dirty thing, right? Sales has this, like, people feel dirty about being in sales, sure. right? Like, this is, you're this car salesman or whatever, right? And there's this, this stigma about it. Much like my business, credit repair, there's a stigma yeah. about it. Um, but for me, when you're in the right vehicle, you're selling the right product, I'm doing you a disservice. And that took me a really long time to figure out. Like when I first started this company in 2011, you know, I, w- I think I was the guy that would like close my office door and I would talk real low on the phones and I'd like, like I knew I could help people, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure because it was a new business hmm. and we were just kind of still proving it out. You know, when we first yeah. started, you know, there was times that we would take someone's money and their scores would drop 50 points. And we would go, okay, let's never give that advice again. That didn't work, you know? So it was like this education for us as well. But once I honed in on it and I figured out we were really impacting people, we were helping people raise their credit scores to accomplish what they want to accomplish. Then I just became this assassin. Like, I can't let you off the phone unless you sign up for my product. And you might feel like I'm being pushy, but you're in my web right now and I'm doing you a disservice because you're not signing up for my product right now. Because guess what? And I'll just explain it the way that I do with my credit, which is yeah. your life is hard with bad credit. If you hang up this phone right now, you're lying to yourself. You're taking the bus because you can't get a vehicle. You can't get the job you want because they're looking at your background. You can't maybe get a mortgage license because they're judging you there, right? You can't buy your first house. Uh, you can't buy your second house. You can't invest in real estate. You can't start a business. You know, you can't ever grow net worth and go after this FU money. So life, or guess what? How about simple things like vacations? Try to go on a vacation without a credit card. Try to go on vacation with a debit card and not a credit card because you don't have good credit, right? Uh, it's just, life just sucks. So, you know, a lot of people are lying to themselves. And, you know, when you really get a product that you believe in, man, it's fun because now, I'm going to be pushy and I'm going to jam my product down your throat because I know that your life will be better with my product. Your life will absolutely start to get better. So sales is just easy. So um, I'll give you another example. A girl that just started working for us, uh, Tony D, one of our coaches here. Everyone, by the way, when you're in my program, if we help me with your credit, you get what's called an accountability credit coach. She's one of our coaches. And um, Tony and I went to high school. We go way back and she been following me on social media. And she said, I can make an impact on your company. I want to come work for you. I said, let's do it. So when she first came in, part of the training was I wanted her to hear me on the phones Mm -hmm. and she heard me on the phones and she got about 10 minutes in. She goes, wow, you can really sell. And I said, I wanted you to hear how pushy I was because that is an indication just how confident I am in our ability to impact people and help them with their credit and to get them to think bigger about their credit, that it's so much bigger than just, you know, having a seven or an 800 credit score. I said, I really believe it. And I wanted you to see that. And she saw it firsthand that, uh, you know, no bullshit here. Like I believe in it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever experience, or, or when you were just starting off, did you ever experience doubt about your ability to really help people? Because I, I hear from a lot of people who are like, I, I'm doubtful that I'm in the right place. Like they're experiencing the imposter syndrome. They don't feel like they are really providing as much value to people. So, so how do you deal with doubt in, in your business and in your life? Yeah, definitely. Like I said, when we first started in the, in the, in the beginning, there was things we did that would move the client's credit scores down. Yeah. And um, there was a time there where, you know, 
I would say if we're in business eight years, I would say it was about three or four years ago where I was going to quit on the business. Wow. And the reason I was going to quit is because I felt like it was a thankless business. I felt like we were, we were having people in our program and we were helping some of them. Some of them we weren't helping. It was a 50-50 thing back then. And I go, even the people I help, how come nobody's giving me testimonials? How come no one said that they're friends over? How come I'm not the famous, most famous credit repair person on the planet? I'm, I'm confused because I know I'm doing a good job. I, I don't really get it. And I really felt th like thankless. And I said, you know, I, I, I want to quit. And it wasn't until, um, you know, uh, another mentor came in, a media company that I've been working with, and they really felt, uh, helped me find my purpose. Um, so after the doubt set in, you know, I realized that I was focusing on raising credit scores to help people. It was like a niche thing. Like, mm -hmm. let me help you get your 50 points higher so you can buy your first house. And then I started to realize that, you know, credit is so much bigger than just saying you have an 800 credit score to flash credit karma to tell your neighbors <laughs> like it's about showing off. It's so much bigger than fancy cars and Lamborghinis. Having a great credit score is so much bigger than your first house, you know, and then all of a sudden it became this, this journey to help people understand that having a great credit score is how you get rich. Every rich person that I've ever met, that I've ever interviewed on my podcast, that I've ever had on my show, they've all leveraged their credit, not as a vanity thing. It's not about flash or ego. They leveraged it to get access to other people's money, whether it's real estate, whether it's business funding, whether they're investing in whatever they're doing uh, in order to grow their money. And then they did that thing over and over and over again. They just kept repeating that cycle until they got really, really rich. So then it became fun. Then I was like, all right, I'm not quitting on my business. Even though I doubted it for a while, I found like my true purpose and meaning behind why I was wanting to have an impact on so many people to help them build their credit, not to buy their first house, to really help them create generational wealth, to beat the odds like I did, to get out of middle class or lower middle class and really leverage that credit card. Think about this, Apple. You know, someone that makes $500,000 a year with a 500 credit score, which is not good. You know, somebody that makes $75,000 a year with a 700 score, man, they got amazing buying power that they can build on. That person that makes a half million dollars a year that is living paycheck to paycheck because they're spending everything and, you know, they got a bad credit score. They can't use other people's money. They're only as good as their own cash. So they're very limited. Now, a lot of your, your listeners might go, yeah, I'll take a half million dollars a year. <laughs> That's a very limited mindset. So that credit score is a weapon that you can use to grow your money. If that makes sense. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. And one thing that I want to bounce back to is the, the stigma that you mentioned around credit repair, because like you're, like you're telling us right now, like credit is a, is a really valuable tool that you can leverage throughout the course of your life to do so many amazing things and to really build generational wealth, like you said. But why is there then this stigma that exists around credit building agencies and credit building companies like, like yours? Good question. Um, you know, there's a lot of bad ones out there. There's a lot of ones that are looking for uh, what I would say vanilla deals. Like they basically scale these companies that you Google and they're looking for the vanilla type of customer that fits into this little box. And that's it. They don't want to do anything outside of that. They want to just send letters out to dispute collections and charge offs. Maybe that works. 
maybe it doesn't work. So you have a lot of people that kind of got beat with that, um, that they gave someone a monthly fee and they charge them a monthly fee for 18 months. And they're like, well, this stinks, you know, maybe some things came off, maybe it didn't. But with my company, you know, it's, it's about the education. So not only do we send the letters out like these national companies do that we compete sure. against, but we also, as I mentioned earlier, there's accountability credit coaches. So not only do we hold you accountable, but we're going to educate you. We're going to say, okay, here's five things that you need to do right now. And this is why. The reason that you should go out and do X, Y, and Z, like go get a credit card because 30% of your credit score is based on credit cards. So you can't ever own a home. You'll never get what you're looking to get out of your credit unless you have three to four credit cards. So here are the companies that we recommend you starting, you know, things like that. So we hold them accountable. We coach them. And a lot of the companies don't do that. They just send letters out and hope that that works and gives this, this business. Plus, I'll give you one more example. Sure. So I won't, I, won't, I won't put any names out there, but there's a lot of them that are very good at generating leads. They're very good at building relationships to build their business up, but they don't know how to fix credit. So there's a lot of credit repair companies that are like new right now. All of a sudden, everyone's a credit expert. You know, if you look on social media, it's like credit expert, credit expert. And they've been doing it for 12 months. So what they're good at, what they're really an expert at is generating leads. And that's good, but they just, they don't know how to fix credit. They're just guessing, you know, they generated 25 people out of their Instagram account and charge them 800 bucks and they're calling themselves an expert. That's scary because that, those are the type of people that give a bad reputation because they don't really know what they're doing. Like, you know, when I started this podcast, right? Um, I talked, I talked about doing this for 21 years. 21 years I've been looking at credit reports. I've seen every different situation. There's not a situation that I go, I don't know how to fix that. It's either I can help you or I can't help you. And the only thing that can help you is better habits and time. But I've seen every scenario. And if we take you on as a customer, I know we can get your results. Mm. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit more about credit because I mean, it's something that I'm, I'm fascinated with. I'm always, I'm always working on building my credit and I know a lot of our listeners are as well. Yep. So talk to us, give us first like a foundational understanding of like what goes into your credit and like what the important pillars are of establishing a solid base of credit. The pillars of credit. Wait, let me take a step back because we've been yeah. talking about myself here for 20 minutes. Dude, I got to congratulate you. 20 years old. How many episodes on your podcast? Closing in on 200. Like, it's really just a number because the experience you're getting for the 200 podcasts, like your, you know, I said it before, like the conversations that you're having, I listen to a couple of your past podcasts, like they become your education, successful people that build million dollar businesses and big businesses, you're learning from them and you're building your resume and you're sharpening your tools. So dude, congratulations for being 20 and going out and, and meeting these people and being aggressive and getting on your podcast and then asking great questions. And dude, where you're going to be in five or 10 years from now, I'm excited to see what you do, man. Like really freaking awesome what you're doing right now. All right? I really appreciate you saying that, Carl. It means a lot, dude. Absolutely. I, I told you in the beginning, like, I'm not afraid to say it. Uh, I have my podcast and I learned from you. Like there's things that I would take. I love the way that you do your intro afterwards. I like the way that you take the sexiest clip of the 60 minutes or 30 minutes. And then you put that in the beginning, like that's powerful stuff. Now you probably learned that from someone else. It doesn't matter. I'm learning it from you. So thank you. I appreciate you. Um, all right, let's talk about the, the foundations, the most important thing. So, um, I'll tell you about the two most important factors when it comes to FICO credit scores. Right. Really important. So I got somebody, uh, there's, always, there's always haters on social media. <laughs> so 
They're funny. I did a video not that long ago about haters. Like, they just don't know it, but they're your biggest fans. Oh, yeah. Like, that's, that's what they are. Like, they got a lot to say. They got a lot to talk <laughs> about. They got a lot of DMs. But they're just your biggest fans. You know, that's really what yeah. it comes down to. So, what we're talking about, and the reason I say that is if somebody was questioning me recently about the FICO pie chart, FICO credit scores, mm-hmm. uh, but he wasn't comparing apples to apples. He was comparing a vantage score. Mm. Now, a vantage score is some of the free sites or some of the sites you pay for online, like privacyguard.com and credit check total. Those are vantage scores and they're okay, but we're talking about a FICO score. Now, FICO, not to go real deep, but FICO stands for the Fair Eyes Company B. A fair eyes a company been around since the 50s it's the only credit score that matters when it comes to you trying to get approved for a mortgage or you walking into an auto dealership or you trying to get business funding that's the score that they're looking at is your fico credit score okay so the two most important things that impact fico credit score number one making your payments on time 35 percent of your credit score is based on making your payments on time now when i let me go a little deep with that yeah 35 percent When I say making your payments on time, I'm talking about making your payments inside of 30 days. So for example, if you have a vehicle car note that's due May 1st, you have a 30-day window. As long as you pay that inside of 30 days, you're good to go, man, okay? So the things that show up on your credit are what matter the most when it comes to this bucket. Your mortgage, an auto loan, credit cards, student loans, personal loans. Those are the five main things that show up and you just need to do a good job of making those payments inside of 30 days. That's 35% of your score. You're like, that's obvious. I get that. That makes sense. Some do, some don't. Now here's a secret with that. Um, Set it up and forget it. Set it with automatic bill pay. That's what I do. Look, man, life happens. Shit happens. You know, I'm waking up on a Friday and I'm not thinking about uh, a credit card payment or an auto payment. I'm thinking about scaling. My, my business is focused on having an impact on 5 million people and scaling my business, not my credit card payments, my car payment. So set that stuff up to where it comes out of your account automatically. Now there's some tricks with that too, Apple. So if your car payment's due on the first, and they don't charge you a late fee until the 15th. And let's say on the first, all of your bills are due. Well, then schedule it with your bank directly where it's on the 10th. Like make it work for you. As long as it's inside of 30 days, you're okay. You know, a lot of people have this like philosophy. Like my mom, you know, she just grew up where like if her payment was due on the first, she paid it 30 days before. I'm like, you don't, you don't need to do that. Like you can play that game inside of 30 days what works for you. So to recap, The most important thing when it comes to FICO credit scores, 35% is making your payments on time. Let's talk about number two. Number two, 30% is called amounts owed or revolving utilization, which basically means how are you managing your credit card balances in relation to your limit? So for example, like if you have a Capital One card and you have a $1,000 limit, what is your balance on that Capital One card, okay? What are you doing? What are your habits every single month? Do you charge the card up to 800 bucks and then pay it down when you get the bill? Do you charge it up three or four times inside of a month and pay it down? Or do you charge the thing up to five, $600 and then make minimum payments? Though the answers to that stuff is gonna determine 30% of your credit score. Now talk about something interesting because I'll give you some strategies on credit cards, but think about this. We just broke down the two most important things. Making your payments on time is 35% and how you manage credit cards is 30%. So think about that. You can actually make your payments on time to student loans, but if you never get credit cards, 
you can never have great credit. You're missing a huge piece of the puzzle. It's a huge piece. A lot of people go, well, I don't want credit cards. They're a necessary evil. Or I got in trouble with those things before. I don't want any more. Look, credit's a game, Apple. You know, and we just teach people, my company, myself, what I do on Instagram, we teach people how to play this game. I didn't invent the game. I just know how to play the game. And the game is you got to have credit cards. I'll tell you another story to hammer this home. So not the guy that I was talking about before, my ex-business partner, but someone that was also involved in that business. So it was, by the way, there was eight partners involved. Wow. One of the reasons I left before, there was too many chiefs. Everybody had a, you know, what they wanted to do, where they wanted the business to go. And it just it wasn't going anywhere because there was too many opinions. But one of them was really smart guy, graduated number one at Harvard. And he taught me a lot about credit scores before I started my own thing. And one of the things he had was a whole shitload of credit cards. Matter of fact, he had $250,000 plus in personal credit cards. Wow. So the more available credit you have, what he taught me is the more available credit you have, the higher your credit scores will go. Now he had an 842 credit score. So credit ranges from 300 to 850. That's the way the FICO scores go. He had an 842 credit score. And the reason he had that 842 credit score is because obviously he had good habits. 35% he made his payments on time. We know that. But every time he could get a line increase and he could have Capital One go from 1,000 to 10,000 or 20,000, he jumped all over it because he knew the more available credit he had, the higher scores would go. That makes sense? Absolutely. So earlier you mentioned um, having like three to four credit cards. Um, is that something that a younger listener, again, somebody who's like 18, 19, 20 years old, um, who's just getting started building their credit, would you recommend them to go out and like get three to four credit cards right off the bat? Would you recommend they stagger that? Would you recommend they just get one and hold on to that for a while? Or like, as far as like first steps go for like just establishing your credit for the first time, like you haven't like screwed it up yet. Yeah. What are, what are your thoughts there? My professional opinion is you should always talk to an expert, right? I, whether it's me or another company, like there's so many things that could go wrong with that. And I'll tell you what they are. And then I'll give you my free tips. Okay. Here's right. the problem with that. Um, you could get turned down. You could go through five banks that say no. So now you have five inquiries on there that actually hurt your credit scores. Mm -hmm. Right. And let's say you get lucky and you go to a bank or let's say you read something on Google that says, go out and get a secured card. Matter of fact, the guy that was just recently arguing with me had a $20,000 secured credit card. So remind I didn't me, you know, they went that high. First of all, I don't believe it. I call bullshit on that. But there's no reason for you to ever give somebody twenty thousand dollars of your money for a secure credit card. One of the dumbest things you could ever do. Okay. Wow. But let's assume that you either Google it and you figure out what a secured credit card is or what unsecured credit card you can qualify for now. The first time that you get that credit card, the first six months is a test. So the exact dollar amount that you spend on that test is gonna determine whether you have good credit scores, when the credit card actually has an impact when you made a couple payments, whether your scores are gonna go down. So there's just so many factors that go into it as opposed to just go out and get a credit card. Can you have success with that? Yeah, do you know when the right time to get a line increase or when you should actually go try to qualify for your second, third, and fourth card and how to spend? There's a lot of, there's a lot of things. Okay, let's put all that aside because I want you to talk to the experts. If not, here's my free stuff, right? Go to Credit Karma. I don't have any affiliation with them, but if you use Credit Karma, Credit Karma has, first of all, the scores on Credit Karma stink. Throw them in the garbage. They're, they're, not, they're not real credit scores. They stink. Uh, however, here's what Credit Karma is good for. It will give you approval odds, okay? And it's not, it doesn't always work, but if you put your information in Credit Karma, it'll say excellent, very good, good, poor. 
-hmm. If you see one that says excellent saying you qualify for this card, keep in mind, Credit Karma gets paid to direct you to that card, but they also have your data and they know what that company's looking for, okay? So click that link. You have my uh, approval to click the link and get your first credit card, all right? Um, now, sometimes it doesn't always work. Sometimes people are like, hey, jerk off. You know, I just clicked that link and I didn't get approved for the credit card. <laughs> I don't have anything to do with credit karma. You know, I just know that it works, you know, 75% of the time. If it says excellent odds, you're going to get that credit card. And that's a great way for you to get credit cards because we'll go back to what I said a couple minutes ago. 30% of your score is based on credit cards. You'll never build your credit without having them. A hundred percent. And for me, the biggest thing was just like, when I turned 18 years old, I just went to the bank that I already banked with. And yeah. I was like, Hey, like I want to build credit. Can you guys help me out? And that was really effective. Cause they're like, yeah, you're like been a loyal customer for like five, 10 years. Um, of course we can help you out. Like we can get you lined up with everything that you need. So that that's my number one thing for like, if you're just starting off, like talk to your bank that you already do business with and like, they're going to want to help you out because they want to keep you around. I, I like that. Sometimes the local banks are the most difficult. Um, sometimes, sometimes you go into a local bank and look, everyone is, is in different games. Some of these local banks, it's transactional for them and it's like a numbers game and they, they don't want to, if you don't have credit, they don't want to be your first credit card. Other banks are not like that. Like, uh, you know, Key Bank and PNC and Wells Fargo, you know, some of those you can walk into and they're going to go, well, if you don't have any other credit cards, we don't want to be your first. And then other mm -hmm. banks like credit unions and stuff like that, yeah. they might take more of a chance with you. So if you have built a relationship and there's money in there, uh, I like that. I like that philosophy. I just don't like the one that we talked about, Apple, which is you don't need to give tons of money away to get your first credit card. So I'll tell you, what, let's talk about the difference between unsecured and secured. Yeah, let's do it. You want to try to keep as much money in your pocket as possible. There are banks right now that will approve you for an unsecured card. Unsecured means that you get to keep your money. That means that they are using your credit score to get you your first credit card. And there's an abundance of money out there right now. Matter of fact, since 2008, this is the best time to grab money. Other people's money is in abundance right now. And that's not always going to be the case. This market will turn and the money will dry up. But right now, there are credit card companies that want to give you your first credit card. And guess what? You don't have to give them shit. You don't need to give them $300 to get a secured card. And you certainly don't have to give them $20,000. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So could you give us a quick definition of like what secured means? Cause like you said, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, secured would mean that your credit's not great and you need to hand that bank, let's just say $300. They're securing it against the $300, meaning if you don't make payments on it, they're gonna take your $300. Now, some of these banks will like position it with like Wells Fargo had a deal going where they said, look, if you come in here, um, you don't qualify with your credit right now, give us $300, we'll give you a secured credit card. So it still works like a normal Visa MasterCard. Mm -hmm. Your credit limit's $300 because you gave them the money and then they report to all three of the bureaus, which is good. It helps you build credit. And then eventually what they'll do is if you're making payments on time, they convert the $300, they give it back to you and it becomes unsecured. Some people were having problems with that. It wasn't converting and then somebody just hangs on to your money for a long time. But sometimes that's a necessary evil. Sometimes you got to get the secured card because you made some mistakes and you have some negative things on there. It's the only credit card that'll qualify you right now. Absolutely. So Does that make sense. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that's a great option, especially for younger people. I know um, a, lot of, a lot of our listeners might be students. And if you're a student, then I would definitely say opt for student cards because there's a lot of banks out there that like they know you're a student and they're going to be willing to, to extend you credit if you apply for the, the student card specifically. 100%. I like that idea. Yeah, for sure. So now talk to us a little bit about the importance of, of building credit for business. Cause we've got a lot of young entrepreneurs listening to the show. What can you do with credit, with a good credit score um, when it comes to, to entrepreneurship, starting your own business, how can you leverage credit to, to help you build your business up? Great question. So look, I made a lot of mistakes. You know, when I, when I speak, sometimes there's a, there's an arrogance, there's a confidence about me. Um, and I was just getting a haircut in my office earlier before we started this podcast. Uh, Apple. And, um, you know, the guy that cuts my hair is 20 year old hustler trying to start his own shop. And he's always asking me a million questions about building his business. And I go, you know, I already know what he needs to do. Like I already know how to coach him. I already know what his next steps are. I can see five years from now. And the only way I can see that is because I made so many mistakes. You know, I made so many mistakes with other people's money when I started my business. You know, I went out and I got friends involved and I got their money. And then I paid them back and then I did it again. So, you know, and I learned from those mistakes, a lot of people go the easy route and they try to get family or friends involved and give up a piece of their company. Now, if you can get a family member involved, like a dad involved or a mom involved, let's just say, here's 20,000 bucks. I love you. Great. <laughs> I'm talking about when you give up a piece of something that you don't even know what it is right now. When you're starting a business, you're not even sure what the potential is of that business. So to give someone 10%, 20%, 50%, which is what I did. And that ended up costing me a lot of time and money and aggravation and lawyers trying to buy that person out. And what I could have done was follow what I talk about. I have a course called Other People's Money. And the way, what you do is you leverage your seven, first of all, business funding starts with a 700 score. If you don't have a 700 credit score, then you have to make an investment, go back to the drawing board, make an investment in your credit and get the 700 score. Once you have a seven or an 800 score, now you can start to get business funding. So the different types of business funding from the easiest way that you start, which is what I should have done, business credit cards. Once you have a 700 credit score, you actually don't even need a business. You can go out and get a business credit card with a 700 personal score and you can leverage that credit card to hire someone, to buy supplies, you know, uh, spend money on marketing, whatever you're looking to do. Um, so that's the first one. Business credit cards are the easiest thing. They're easily overlooked and they're pretty easy to get. Matter of fact, give me one more tip. Yep. You can actually be working W-2 salary and they will use that income, W-2, if you set up your EIN and use your 700 personal credit score to get your first business credit card. They're super easy. Uh, I have somebody that I coach has five Amex Platinum cards. <laughs> They have one business that's been around for a couple of months, you know? Um, so first step, business credit card. Number two, you want to start to look at business lines of credit, okay? Once you, like business lines of credit, I talked about it earlier, they're in abundance right now. Like it's, it's easier than ever to get $25,000, $50,000 business line of credit. Uh, once you build a relationship with a bank and you find the right banks that are handing out fifty grand, you can get money. It's out there. Same thing, got to have a 700 personal score. So think about that, right? You're talking about credit cards, business credit cards, number one. Um, business lines of credit is number two as you're starting to access. This is all forms of other people's money to either start a business or grow a business, right? That's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Number three is asset-based factoring. That means if you already have an existing business, you can leverage invoices, 
right? Receipts that people owe you. You can leverage inventory that you have. You can leverage that type of stuff or a 700 credit score to get access to that. So there's a lot of deals. That's the majority of the deals. We do business funding as well. And the majority of them are, are customers that have money on the street. Hey, I have $300,000 in outstanding invoices and you can, you can leverage that money uh, to go out and get more money. Huh. Super interesting. And I can totally vouch for the fact that like business credit cards are really not that hard to get. I mean, I've got a credit score in the mid 700s and was able to get approved for a pretty, I mean, yeah. decently high tier business credit card um, with literally no, like there was no problems whatsoever. I just had to send them like a documentation, like with my EIN on it, which you can get from the IRS in like five minutes. Um, and it's, it's a lot easier than, than I thought at first, um, never having applied for a business card before. So definitely, definitely can agree with you on that. We would call that easy money. You just proved it. And I've helped with, you know, thousands of people have done the same thing. 700 score, they got their first business credit card. Business credit card, business lines, asset-based factoring, which that's after you started a business. You, sure. can, you can leverage real estate. If you have real estate, I, guess what? I'm a different type of dude. I'd, I'd do a home equity line on my primary residence, max it out at 100%, and I'd use that. If I had the right business idea, I'd use it. Otherwise, the equity in your house is just sitting there. Who gives it? What's it doing for you? Just to say you have 100000 or 50000 in equity, I'd find a way to leverage my primary residence. If you had one, take the money out and grow a business. Now, here's the cool thing. I'm going to give you number five. Yep. The cool thing about the first four, you get to keep all your equity. The mistake that I made, you get to learn from my mistakes. If you do a business credit card or a business line, it's still your company. You don't have to give anyone a piece because you don't really, when it's a young business, you don't really know what it is. Yeah. What are you giving someone a piece of 50% that could be worth $50 million in one day? So you want to be real careful before you give a piece. Now, there's a time and a place for that, Apple. You graduate from all these different types of other people's money that we're talking about into what I would call private money. Either you're talking to a venture capitalist or an angel investor. And these are types of like, if you watch the Shark Tank, there's a time and a place for that. There's a time when you get someone like this involved that says, hey, I'm going to write you a check for $500,000 and I want 51% of your business. And we're going to scale this thing from a million bucks to 50 million. There's a time and a place for that, but not until you've exhausted all these other ones. Because I like angel, I work with angel investors. I work with venture capitalists. I have a friend that if you follow along, I talk about him all the time. He started a flooring company by himself and he got his sales up to a million bucks and he felt from the million dollars that that was as much as it was going to be. And then he got a business line of credit. He took the million, turned it into 10 million. Then all of a sudden he got an angel investor involved. They went to hundred. Now he's doing 1.6 billion in sales. And he went from credit cards to business lines of credit to an angel investor, to a venture capitalist, and he's doing 1.6 billion. They started acquiring all these smaller companies, publicly traded company, the guy's worth $100 million right now. And he used other people's money in that order that I'm talking about to scale and do it. It was fun to watch. I love it, man. Carl, you've been dropping so much value on our listeners and I really do appreciate that. I've got a few questions that I'd like to ask all of my guests before we wrap up the show. Are you feeling ready for them? Fire them off, man. Let's do it. First thing I'm curious about is what are you excited about right now? This could be something in your business, in the wider realm of like the credit repair space, but like what's something that genuinely has you excited? I like having an impact on people, man. It's like the first time, you know, if I'm being honest, you know, I've been doing it 21 years, social media. Let's say I started social media two years ago. I would say this is the first time in the last six months that people are telling me they're inspired. 
hey man, you inspired me to do bigger things. Hey man, I'm watching your morning routine, man, and you're pushing me in the morning. Hey man, you get me to think way bigger about my credit than taking out equity of my house and putting an addition on. I'm actually going to start to buy real estate. You know, so inspiring people and getting that feedback, man, is really, really fun. And I want more of it. I want to have a bigger impact on more people, get them thinking bigger about their credit. So that's fun right now for me, man. Mm, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. So Carl, you talked to us about your morning routine. Do you have any other habits or rituals that have served you particularly well, helped you get to that next level? Mm. I'm the eternal optimist. You know, um, I, I, I'm, I'm very good at solving problems and solving them quickly, you know, and I might get caught in a negative situation for an hour, but I, I, I don't stay there very long. I feel like I'm very quick to come up with a solution and move on. Like, you know, and that for me, Apple, I, I lack a little bit of empathy hmm. for, for other people. I'm bad with that. It's my biggest weakness because I don't care why you're in your situation right now. I just got a solution for the problem. Hmm. So my biggest weakness sometimes is my biggest strength because I just know how to solve other people's problems and my own problems with, I don't care what happened six months ago. I don't care what happened six years ago. I actually know how to fix your problem right now. So let's get moving. And I skip the empathy part, but it's a strength as well sometimes. That's very fair. That's very fair. Um, what kind of content, I know you're putting out a lot of content on social media right now. Um, are you consuming any books, audiobooks, podcasts, YouTube channels? Like what, what does your content consumption look like? Am I allowed to curse? I already curse on it. Dude, oh, putting, yeah, out content, putting out content is fucking exhausting. Um, it's truly exhausting. It really is. It's what's the next thing? Like, you know, how do you say the same thing over and over again? The successful people, you know, they're having success on social media. It's the same message, man. They're not changing up the message. It's the same thing. They just say different ways and sexier yep. ways. And, you know, it's people always look at social media like, okay, how do I keep the people that are following me now interested two years? No, they're going to leave and new people are going to come in. So it's the same message. You just keep pounding down people's throats. So, you know, I'm really not absorbed in anyone else's information right now. Matter of fact, one of the times when I met Tony Robbins, that was one of the things I got to shake his hand, just talk to him. I was like, I I already got the answers, man. Like, so I'm just so wrapped up in taking everything I know, trying to make it sexy because credit's not sexy, you know, trying to make it interesting to where people can take free information and run with it. But it's all about, you know, constantly coming up with the next piece of content, producing it. Um, I got a guy that follows me around for half my week. So the tip I have when you're, when you're coming up with content for social media, I think that was your question. Um, you know, I try to repurpose a lot of the information that I'm using, whether it's shows or podcasts, like how do you repurpose that information? So it doesn't feel like I, uh, you know, I scripted something, this Mm -hmm. scripted video about how to fix credit scores. I repurpose a lot of just my routine and my day and what I'm doing. And then I use it for content, but no, I'm not absorbed in anyone, anyone's, anyone's stuff right now, other than I got this mission and I, I won't be denied, you know? So I love it. Carl, one thing I'm also very curious about is what my guests do that isn't super scalable. Cause I mean, at this point you've got a huge company around you. Um, but one thing just to give you some context of what I'm talking about. Um, I'll pull out my phone every single day. I'll shoot like five to 10 video messages on Instagram. I'll just go to my list of like new followers for the day and just like pick five to 10 people randomly and just like shoot them a quick video. Be like, Hey Carl, how's it going? Thank you so much for the follow. I really appreciate it. Let me know if there's any way that I can bring value to you or help you out. Have a wonderful day. Something super simple like that, but just like 
trying to introduce myself to a few new followers every single day just to keep that one-on-one impact. So that's something that I really do value in my business. So is there anything for you that has that personal like credit card touch to it that you do or, or has that like one-on-one interaction? Yeah. And by the way, that's how you got me on this podcast was your video and you said my name and I was like, okay, cause I'm telling you right now, Oh my, I, I, there must've been 50 podcast requests. And I was like, okay, I got to see who this person is. Does it make sense? Did they get past my gatekeeper? So it's going down in the DMS. You can make money in the DMS. That's the way Apple got to me was said my name on a video and popped it in DMS. And you know, it didn't, I didn't do it right away. It clicked. And I was like, wait, something about this guy. I like the way he did that, but that's the way I sell. Like, you know, I think that there's so much value in a DM to where if somebody's interested, a lot of the times if they send me back a DM and they say something that catches my attention, I will personally get on the phone and talk to them. And then there's that little bit of a wow factor. Like, am I really talking to Credit Carl? I've been following you for six months. I feel like I know you. I can't believe you called me. Um, So I like picking up the phone because for a couple of reasons. One, I really appreciate people that are following me, um, you know, that are on this journey with me, that are saying nice things, that are letting me know what kind of impact I'm having. But also, that is ammunition to help other people. So when you stay really close to your consumers and you know what their pain is and you know why they take action, why they don't take action, that is information that you could repackage up and use for social media. Like, for example, a lady hit me up in the DMs not that long ago. And um, she was looking to refi her house and she wanted to use the equity in the house to do an addition. And by the end of the conversation, one, she was like, I can't believe you called me. Holy shit. I love that. I'm like, I'm very humbled by that. And it was this awesome conversation. By the end, I got her to think bigger about her credit. And she was calling her realtor to say, you know what? Instead of taking $50,000 and doing this improvement on my house, what if I bought my next piece of real estate and started growing my money that way? And we built this relationship, but that piece of information helps me sell my message to other people that I want to have an impact the way that she was thinking. And then just like that, Apple, she went, you're right. I was thinking too small. Now I'm thinking big with my credit. Mm. A hundred percent. Like those are the things that you need to have those one-on-ones to get to because like you would have never known that that was like what she was thinking about unless you did hop on that phone call. And now, you know, like if she's thinking it, I'm sure other people are thinking it too. You implement that into your content and then you're off to the races. Damn. It's going down in the DMs, man. hundred percent. All right, Carl, you've been dropping so much value on our listeners. If they want to follow up with you, continue the conversation, where should we send them? Where can they follow up with you, learn more about you and uh, what you're currently doing? Credit Carl, credit.carl on Instagram is where I do 90% of my work. You can go to the uh, business page on Facebook where I do my live show. It's Credit Blueprint Credit Coaching. But now hit me up on uh, a DM on uh, credit.carl. Let me know you listen to this podcast. Let me know you need help. We do a free consultation on the phone. I'd love to chat with you guys, man. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Carl. I really appreciate it. Man, do you have any last uh, closing thoughts, words of wisdom you want to close out the show with here today? Sure. I'll say it again. Every rich person that I've ever interviewed, they leverage their credit scores to get rich. So if you think there's something bigger out there for you, you know, and you want more, you want to grow your money, you want to grow your net worth, you want to go after what I'm going after, which is FU money. Your credit score is the primary tool to creating that. You can leverage it. Don't skip that step. You know, can you, can you make a couple hundred thousand dollars? Can you make a million without it? Sure. I know people that do, but I'm talking about if you think there's something bigger out there for you, your credit, it's, it's a tool that you can use to get there. 
Hundred percent. And credit Carl with Credit Blueprint, that is the place to go. All right, Carl, thank you so much for your time, man. I really do appreciate it. Um, and I appreciate you choosing to spend it here on Young Smart Money. You're the man. I appreciate your time, man. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this latest episode of Young Smart Money and got a ton of value out of it. If you did, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. It only takes about five seconds. If you're walking the dog, if you're going to the gym, pull that phone out of your pocket, press that subscribe button, and uh, drop us some love in the ratings and review sections as well. Those really do help the podcast get in front of even more people and helps us get even more amazing guests on the show. And I do read each and every one of your ratings, reviews, message that you send me. Uh, they, they really do impact me and the show and show me exactly what you want to be seeing here on Young Smart Money. So again, do not forget to drop us a rating, review, and subscribe over in iTunes. And guys, have a wonderful day. Take care. And I really do appreciate you choosing to spend your time here with us on Young Smart Money. Have a wonderful day.